Hello and welcome to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. This is Marisa from the Tower Hill Production Team. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whenever or wherever you're listening from, we hope this podcast helps you grow in your faith and we hope you share it with others so that they can grow in their faith too. We are in the final installment of our summer series called Learning to Thrive. And today, Pastor Jason helps us discover how fear can be an obstacle to growing our faith and how to overcome it. So let's listen in right now. We are in our final installment of this sermon series. Don't worry, guests. I hope it will still make sense, even though this is the last of a four-part series that we're doing. We're really just trying to figure out what are those things that derail us from living a life of faith. There are actually four, there are many things, but let's say these four common things that you have to overcome in order to live an uncommon life. And the whole goal of this is what? Is to flourish the way God intended us to. Because God knows you deeply and intimately, even more than you know yourself. And he wants so much for you. I think we get it in our heads that God just wants something from us. Mostly that he wants to kill our good time. But actually, what if what God really wants is to help you to flourish, to be that person that he created you to be? Living a life of faith isn't just about the hereafter. It's about the here and now. And when we, if we miss that, that is the tragedy, is we miss the blessing that God wants to give us in this life. And I'll tell you, it's so funny, because every time I'm reminded of this, the way that God works, nothing in my life feels better when I'm doing what I know God wants me to be doing. Because everybody's chasing that, right? We're chasing pleasure, we're chasing rest, and we're chasing uh, all these things that we think are going to satisfy us, and in the end, it's been God all, the whole time. But sometimes it takes some being reminded of that. So hopefully I'm helping you to do that, as I'm reminding myself as well. Uh, last week we looked at a book, which again, I recommend. I think it's a really helpful book to think about this day and age that we're in. It's not a faith-based book. Um, but it's a book that really just talks about what's happened to our brains as a result of the internet age, right? Uh, the shallows, how the internet is changing the way we think, read, and remember. And the premise of this book is based on the research and all the data that they see that we as human beings are living what he calls in the shallows more than we ever have in human existence because our brains are so fragmented. We have a hard time deeply focusing and everything's so distracting. We're like jumping beans, right? Jumping from one task to another, which isn't in and of itself bad, but the problem is, is then we attempt to live our faith in the shallows, and we wonder why it's not satisfying, why we're not getting it, why we don't feel closer to God, because every deep relationship you've had in your life is one that is forged in the depths, in your inmost being. Every important thing in your life usually has come from the depths, a place of deep focus, a place where you can take and process the world around you. And spiritually speaking, where you meet God in the depths. So if you're just looking in the shallows, you're never really going to find what you're looking for, to quote you two. Anyway, so we were talking about the need to be in the depths. And this is the promise that God gives us. He gives us a promise of restoration in the depths, in the deep places. Because you, you and I know it's more than just taking a rest and going on a vacation. Vacations are great. I highly recommend them. But when you get back, guess what's waiting for you? All the stress of your life. What if you can live in a place of peace and restoration 
and deep soul level rest no matter what's going on in your life. This is the promise that God gives. Here in Jeremiah, we've been looking at this first. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. So today we're talking about what's the fourth obstacle. Let's quickly review the first three real fast. The first obstacle we looked at is stress. Stress is, can derail you from God's plan in your life so fast. Because when you're in a state of stress, all you want to do is to relieve the stress. You want to get better. And so you'll even shortchange or take some shortcuts that you think could get you there faster, even if they're the wrong things. Because you just don't want to live with the stress. So what Jesus, when he teaches about stress or teaches about worry, what does he say? He says that the remedy is actually about priorities. By prioritizing God, it reorders what's out of order in our lives. Like calibrating a machine. It's just not going to work right if it's not God first. So he says that's the answer to stress. Number two is hearing God. Okay, well, I want God to speak to me in my inmost being, but how do I know that I'm hearing God's voice? How do I know it's not my imagination or the voice in my head? Um, there are many. Uh, no. How do I know? You know, I, I didn't get food poisoning, and I'm thinking weird. I don't know, like how I didn't get enough sleep. How do I know that it's God? Because this is so important. When you're hearing from God in your life, it is like a GPS or it's like a compass. You're going to be exactly where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there to receive or do what God has planned for your life. You're going to be where you're supposed to be because you're listening, you're hearing from God. And so, you know, some of the questions are, well, how do I know? You know, I felt like I was supposed to do this thing. How do I know it was God? And we said there's a very simple way of, of understanding it. Look for the fruit. There's this thing that Jesus said. He said, a bad tree won't bear good fruit. Good, fruit, good tree won't bear bad fruit. Follow the fruit. If, if what you're doing is bearing the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit, if it's bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if it's bearing that fruit, it's probably from God. Keep going. If it's not, you may want to stop for a second because that's a, a red flag. If it's not bearing any of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit test, right? How do I know I'm hearing from God? And then the third we talked about last week was doing. That there's a big difference between knowing something and actually applying it or doing something. It's like unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. Doesn't do anybody any good, right? So how do you do that? In order to do that, you have to be truly a disciple, which is an apprenticeship program with God. You're not just learning. This is why this is important, because I hear from people all the time that say, the reason I'm stuck in my faith is I don't know enough. I need to go to another Bible study. I need to do another study. I need to get that sort of next level, 101, 201, 301, so that I can kind of graduate and be the Christian I'm supposed to be. Which is a very, it, that doesn't work with faith. You could know everything that there is to know about Jesus and not follow him. Faith is in the doing. In fact, I would, I would even say you don't even really know until you do it. Like I told the story about changing the tire. As a teenager, I knew theoretically I had to change the tire until I had to do it. Anyway, you got to be teachable and you got to put it into practice. So the fourth obstacle, the fourth obstacle, whenever I think of this topic, I think of this story from when I'm five years old. Grew up in Los Angeles, uh, so my family who was on the East Coast would come and visit us from time to time. And every time they did, we loved it because we got to go to all the theme parks. Uh, so 
my aunt and uncle from New Jersey come out, again, I'm five, and we go to Universal Studios in Hollywood. Now, if anyone's done the Hollywood tour, listen, it's probably totally different now, but at the time, you boarded a tram, and you went around the park, and they showed you the studios, and then they had various attractions. They had, um, gosh, they they had like all these different sort of events that would happen on your tram ride. Uh, Battle, Battlestar Galactica was one of them. That, that's how long ago this was. Again, I was five. But one of the attractions was Jaws. Exactly. So I'm five years old, and my mom's trying to prepare me for having this encounter in, on this ride. And she's like, no, Jason, you're, it's, it's a fake shark. Everything's pretend. It's not real, so you don't have to be scared. It's going to be fine. But, you know, really, who brings their five-year-old on this thing? So, so I'm on the tram, and, and the way it works, or the way it worked back then was, you know, you get to the, to the Jaws area, and there's like a bunch of water, and then you see like the fisherman dude in the boat goes under. It's not good. You sort of see like a few indicators that Jaws is around, and I'm of course getting a bit nervous, and I'm thinking, it's not real. It's okay. In my own five-year-old, figuring it out. But this is what happened next. On the pier where the tram is now, the pier does this. And the tram does this. Guess which side I was on? Yeah. So it tips like this. And then, of course, Jaws comes popping out. And from what I've been told, I sort of blacked out, I think. I don't remember. I don't remember what happened. What I've been told is I jumped from my seat to about seven, six or seven people over to the other side, like clinging for dear life. I thought it was over. That was it. I, and of course, it's a story that my aunt loves to remind me of because she thought it was hilarious. But seriously, like, that was quite traumatizing. Now, once I came around and started talking again, I, <laughs> just kidding. No, it was, it was scary. And I remember afterwards, um, you know, everyone's like trying to calm me down. You okay? And I, I remember saying, uh, I think it was to my aunt later on in the day, I said, Jaws, I know it wasn't real, but it sure looked it real. I was terrified. But I feel like we experience this all the time. When we are in the face of fear, and this happens to us spiritually, when we're in the face of fear, We'll jump from what we think God's plan is so fast, we won't even spend time to process it, right? We will jump away from that because we don't trust that everything's going to be okay. Like we get in our heads, hey, I know God's got me. I know God's got this. I know I'm going to be okay. But then when it actually happens, we're like, run. But what if that's the very thing that's holding you and I back from experience a deeper level of blessing with God? What if that threshold of fear is what's holding you back from some of the most beautiful things in your life? The fourth obstacle is fear. So I'm gonna ask a question. Has anybody ever done something that really scared you to death? I have a microphone there because for some of you, it would be this. Getting up here and public speaking or obviously preaching or something like that. Like, 
How many of you have done something that really scared you? I love that Jerry Seinfeld, you know that Jerry Seinfeld bit when he talks about fear? So whenever they do a, a poll on what people are most afraid of, it's always public speaking is number one. Number two, dying. Right, so he jokes, somebody would, ra- would rather be in the coffin than speaking at the funeral. But we have all sorts of fears that stop us from moving forward. Here's a new one. There's a glass bridge in China. It is 590 feet high, 984 feet long, and only 0.94 inches thick of glass. Now, it's got some steel around it or whatever to hold it in place. Uh, Yeah, no thank you. That sounds absolutely terrifying. What is wrong with those who thought up this wonderful idea? And I love some of the pictures online that you see of this bridge. It shows people dragging loved ones away because they don't... They don't want to continue. That would probably be me. In related news, um, go to the next slide, yeah. So, I'm just kidding. The uh, death is still our number one fear, but it often stops us from living our life because we end up getting so afraid of what might happen. And here's the thing about fear, is it will derail whatever plans you thought you had quicker than anything else. There was a... um, Again, a few weeks ago, I shared a story about how during a ministry training, I went to the Mall of America, and I was, I was told I had to pray with somebody. That was my goal. I had to pray with somebody by the end of this assignment. So we were told, go out, find a stranger, strike up a conversation, and get to the part where you pray for them. Now, being a natural introvert, this was the most terrifying assignment of my life. I wanted nothing to do with this. But I did it. it I didn't do great. But I ended up praying with one person. And what did that do? It helped me understand that if I cross that threshold of fear in the name of Jesus, I'm going to be okay. And I have to tell you, that experience of doing that built a muscle in me that would need to get stronger later. Now, I really don't ever want to do that again. But it did something in me. I want to ask you this question. What do you think fear is doing to your faith? What do you think fear is doing to your faith? Nothing stops us in our, in our tracks like fear. Now listen, fear is not a terrible response all the time. It's pretty important. I think, you know, jumping out of an airplane, I should be a little afraid of that. Should be something going on in here about fear. I should have fear in a dangerous situation, right? It helps keep me alive. But most, more often than not, fear, especially spiritual fear, is like a straitjacket on us. And we become paralyzed. And in the end, we might miss what God is doing. This is a real famous story about fear in the disciples in Jesus. This is from the Gospel of Matthew. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. I, I love how we usually just like read over this really fast. 
Oh, yeah, Jesus was, you know, walking on the lake. Oh, yeah, I know this story. He was walking on the lake. I think we miss some of the, the awe of that story sometimes because we're so familiar with it. I don't know about you. If I saw that, I'd be freaking out. It's not something I see all the time. Jesus is walking on the lake. So when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Like, no kidding. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. This is why I love what God is doing today. The memory verse, or or the life verse that was chosen for the children. Take courage, right? Do not be afraid. I feel like the Lord may be saying something to us today. Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Watch this, watch what Peter does. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Again, I think we we blow by these phrases so fast. I think if you just kind of stop and think about it, this is pretty amazing. Peter's willing to cross this threshold of fear because he trusts Jesus that much. If it's you, Tell me to come, and whatever fear I'm dealing with, I'm going to cross over that, and I'm going to come to you, because I trust you more than I have fear in this moment. There are lots of things that you could say about this interaction. Many sermons will, have been and will be preached on this story, but the thing I want to tease out is that threshold of fear, and when Peter does it, he's saying, I'm going to leave fear behind for the moment. And I'm going to trust. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Like, if you trust Jesus more than you are stuck by your own fear, he's going to do things beyond reason. He's going to do things that you can't even imagine. He's going to give you abilities you never saw coming. Because what does he want? He wants you to come with him. He wants you to follow But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? You had it. You were doing it. But then what happened? He started looking around, and he started, oh, yeah, I forgot. I should be terrified. And he broke his trust with Jesus in the moment. He stopped looking at Jesus, started looking at the fear, and he started sinking. Here's why I think this is important. Some of you feel like because you have doubts, you can't have faith. Because you have doubts, you can't follow. I don't think that's true. I think that's a lie. Because I believe doubt is not the opposite of faith. I can still have faith even if I have doubts. I can still move forward and follow Jesus even if I don't have it figured out, even if I have doubts. Doubt's not the opposite of faith. Let me break this down to you in uh, the language of summer. So every summer, you'll see these pop along your neighborhoods, maybe lemonade stands, right? And uh, when I see lemonade stands, or actually when my wife sees lemonade stands, she, she can't resist, right? But every time you go to a lemonade stand, 
I have the same thought that goes through my head. Like, the lemonade stand might look good, but I'm thinking, how is it made? Like, <laughs> I, I can't help it. I'm, I'm just like, you know, as a kid, like barehanded, you know, stirring it. I, don't, I really don't want to know. I've got a lot of doubts about the lemonade. But what do we do? We buy it, we drink it in front of it, and be like, oh, this is the best lemonade I've ever had. The doubting didn't stop me from the doing. The doubts were there, but I could still move forward. It's why, it's why Peter could get out of the boat and others could not. It wasn't doubt that stopped them. It was fear. I believe fear is the opposite of faith because fear stops you in your tracks. It stops you from following It can drive me away from trusting God, and it could do that very, very quickly. Even just look at what we've seen so far in Scripture. In this sermon series, we've seen panic, right? Jesus asleep in the middle of the storm. Disciples panic. We see today terror, right, as he's walking on the water. Even think about Peter later on when he denies Jesus. Remember why he denies? Because he's afraid. This is what we do when we get afraid most times. We panic. We have so much fear, we're like jumping to the other side of the tram. And we deny. That's the opposite of faith. Whatever doubts you have, listen, none of us are going to know it all on this side of heaven. I don't know it all. We're, not gonna, we're just not going to know all. We're not going to have everything perfectly worked out. Like every piece of everything. That's just not going to happen. Can you move forward in faith? Absolutely. That's the whole point, is that you're trusting enough to cross the threshold of fear. Know that fear is not going to stop me from following. Because all of these things stop me from following, right? There's a a book that I've been reading. I I just finished it uh, last week or two weeks ago called I Once Was Lost. It's not a new book. It came out in 2008 about uh, these two college ministry guys that have been doing it for a long time. They wrote a book about, they noticed that in people's faith walk, there's different stages of faith. So you have somebody who, who doesn't believe or they're not interested, and they kind of go through these stages, and they come to a place of faith. It, it's a really great book. Again, I once was lost. It's really helpful. And it's a book that we are going to be using this fall to, in our leadership to just talk about how do we reach people according to their stage, right? And... Um, Anyway, in this book, there's this wonderful story about these two college students, uh, Sarah and the other one I'll call Martha. And um, these college students, Martha is a brand new Christian, and Sarah is not. They're friends, first year of college. Second year of college comes along. Sarah needs a roommate to stay in the building she's in. She asks her friends, hey, can anybody room with me? Martha has a single, so she doesn't have a roommate, and she's the brand new Christian, but she thinks, I think God's telling me I'm supposed to be her roommate. And so she tells Sarah, yeah, I'll be your roommate. Sarah goes, great. And so they you know, start loading in. And then it, it occurs to Sarah, Sarah's like, Martha, why did you, why'd you say yes? You had a single. And, that, and then Martha's experiencing this fear, right? Here's the threshold of fear. Because she doesn't want to say the truth. She doesn't want to freak her out. God told me to room with you. But she says that. I think God's telling me I was supposed to room with you. 
Sarah goes, great, I'm glad it worked out. Like, it was kind of a nothing. And then throughout the course of their semester, they said they would start having these late-night conversations. Lights go off, they're in their bunks. Sarah starts asking questions. This goes on for a while. Martha felt it again. Martha feels like, I think I'm supposed to invite her to this college Bible study that that I do. But I don't want to. Because I don't want her to then reject me, and now we're roommates, and now I'm, right? Fear. And she's like, well, here goes. And she asks. Sarah goes, sure. The rest of that year, Sarah learns more and more about Jesus, but she's still stuck. There's a step for her. She's like, look, I'm very scientific. I need some... I need some proof. I need a sign that this is real. Everything you've told me, everything I've learned, I get it and I love it, but I'm not quite there yet with faith because I'm looking for a sign. So they decide they're going to attend this college retreat. This was in California and Catalina Island, which is off the coast of California, is a place that a lot of churches and groups would go and do retreats. So they went on this retreat together, went on the boat ride across to Catalina, and during the whole retreat, The whole retreat was about Jesus being the bread of life, the one who nourishes us. So much so, they said, like, everything was about bread. Like, they made bread. They were talking about bread. Bread, 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 bread. And during uh, the first night that the speaker starts talking, starts talking about Jesus being the bread of life, they remember something. On their way to Catalina, they were playing this game that they called the dictionary game. I, I don't know if anyone's played that. I'm not sure what all is involved. They had to pick a word. Guess what that word was? Bread. And in the middle of the pastor talking about Jesus being the bread of life, Sarah looks over to Martha and mouths the word bread. That was her sign. That weekend, she came to faith in Jesus and actually went on to uh, do ministry herself. But what would have happened had Martha never crossed that line of fear for the sake of Jesus? And I have to wonder, how many times in my life have I not crossed that line of fear and I have failed to help reach somebody else or to encourage or to love somebody else, which in the end is one of the most beautiful things I could possibly do on this earth. I'm robbing them and I'm robbing myself because why? Because I'm afraid to get out of the boat. Too afraid. But if we cross over These are when some of the most beautiful things in our lives happen. Think about all the meaningful things in your lives. Most meaningful relationships. You had to to risk rejection at some point, right? You had to overcome your fear. This isn't any different spiritually. Just remember this. Doubting Thomas, you know, poor guy. He gets gets the name forever. He has one episode where he's doubting. It's like, becomes his title. And I think rightfully so. We saw the risen Jesus. Wait, what? Really? I didn't see it. What does Jesus do? He doesn't go to Thomas. He's like, okay, you're out, dude. You're doubting. No. He actually has him touch the wounds on his body. And he said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. He doesn't disqualify him because of his doubts. He could still move forward in faith. So, What am I afraid of? I ask myself this question. What am I so afraid of? What does Romans 8.31 remind us? What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
Or Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What am I so afraid of? Well, if I'm being honest, it's usually one of these things. Maybe you could relate. FOMO. If I start following Jesus across the threshold of fear, I might miss out on these other things that other people are doing. Which is goofy that we have. The more we say that out loud, I think the better because it sounds dumber every time. Like I'm not going to trust the God of the universe who created me and gave me a purpose in my life and who died for my sins and all he wants for me to flourish and to thrive. Yeah, but I might miss something else. Right? Or we're afraid of relationships suffering. And they can if you go about it wrong. I, I do not suggest going to all your friends and just being like, okay, let's sit down. I've got a sermon I've worked up to tell you about how you should follow Jesus. I, I do not recommend that. And let, you better really make sure that that's Jesus telling you to do that. Because that sounds like a disaster. But if you are living in a relationship just trying to be loving and faithful and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, the sermon is going to be your life. It's going to be your love. It's going to be your friendship. Or maybe you're just afraid of, you know, I don't want to sacrifice my plans. Listen, we sat down and we said this is going to be our 10-year plan and we're going to do this and this is how our finances are going to go and this is how, what we want for our children. And, this is what and then God says, I want you to follow me this way. Yeah, but then I have to say goodbye to my plans. Which plan do you think is better? Sometimes you have to say goodbye to your plans. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes your plans get tweaked according to what God has to say. It's okay. Or you just don't like risk. I'm afraid of risk. Listen, I get it. But what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> you follow God, and for whatever reason, you think it doesn't work out. It's, it, you could go back, do something else. I don't think there really is a risk when it comes to following God, but that's me. <laughs> so uh, here's, I think, what can help us all as we're dealing with that threshold of fear in our lives. I think the first, name it. Say, God, this is what I'm afraid of. I think it helps us to process it and helps to get it out there. It has less power over us when we kind of say it out loud. And then ask for it. Lord, give me faith enough. Give me trust enough to cross that line. And then third, take a step. Get out of the boat. Don't let your fear stop you. Doubts and all. But don't forget, keep looking at Jesus. Don't forget and then start looking at all the reasons why you should be afraid. This is working. Oh, wait a minute. How about this? Here's a verse that I think would help you and help me this week if we say, why don't we try doing this this week? What if you did what I'm calling the Joshua 1-9 prayer? So Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What if every day this week you took, what did it take, 10, 15 seconds, and you prayed this? I want you to insert your name. Have I not commanded you, Jason, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I think doing something like that would help remind us that we have every reason to trust past our fear. 
and not to stop following because we're afraid. Because I think that is when we really start to live a life that thrives.